Hey, my name is Axel Villamon. We're here on 24 Shades of Blue. And in the studio today, we have Sergeant Natasha Zavere of the 22 Division Neighborhood Community Officer Program. Welcome. And Anthony Alexander, the man himself, police constable. How are you doing? <laughs> we're well, good. We're good. Thank you. Thank good. you for having I'm, us. I'm Thanks glad. Us. I'm, I'm super happy. I hear about all the amazing work you do. This is a fun topic because, I mean, we've had a great conversation on our pre-interview and I just want to get in here and chat. We're here in person. We're back. We're back in here. Um, so what are the roles and responsibilities of a neighborhood community officer and what drew you both into wanting to join the program? There's many roles for the neighborhood officer. One of them is being in the community and connecting with the residents. Uh, we build a lot of relationships through uh, programs that we run. Uh, we run programs of proaction. We um, partnership with um, Toronto Community Housing. Uh, we partner with, I'm speaking for 22 Division, partner with LAMP and some other outside agencies as well. And again, it's to build that relationship between the police and the community, you know, especially working with youth um, to realize that, yeah, you know what, the police aren't bad people. <laughs> they're mm. there. Um, they're there to help and uh, assist in any ways that we can. Um, we do other things as well. We help um, to deliver food, to ad identify um, people who need, you know, in the communities who may be in need of, of food. So I know we've partnered with Kitchen 24 and that's service wide um, as well to do things like that. Um, we do, uh, obviously we answer our radio calls in our neighborhood. And the good thing with that is when the officers are there for so often, like an 11 hour day, you're there for like 10 hours a day and get, they, the people there, they trust you and they, they can open up to you and they'll probably tell you a little more than, you know, they would tell the, just the average primary response unit officer coming, you know, to answer their phone or phone calls, to answer their uh, calls for service. Uh, so it's, it's really good in uh, a lot of respects. No, but what drew you in? Like, I, I, I want to know, like, what is <laughs> um, it about Natasha? I've always loved the community aspect of policing and with the neighborhood program, you kind of have to be well-rounded. Mm -hmm. um, again, you have to be very community-oriented. You have to go in. You can't go in with a chip on your shoulder. Um, you know, you go in and I'm one of you. And I, you know, I always tell people in the community, this is just a uniform. It's closed. I, I, I'm no different from, you know, any resident that's in there. And, and I know all of my officers that work for me are the same way as well. It's like, yeah, we're on the same level. Um and I always wanted to help these communities. And it was just something I've always been drawn to. It, again, you have to be well-rounded. So if you like to do everything in terms of um, creating events, attending community events and meetings, and that's another thing we do a lot of is hold community meetings. Mm -hmm. um, again, you have to have a certain personality uh, to do that as yeah. well. So you have to be outgoing and not afraid to talk to people. <laughs> Going, you want <laughs> to care. Generally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. So it takes a, yeah, it takes a different type of person to do that. And, um, and I think when you're invested in a certain division, um, and you've connected with certain people, you really want to make that difference. That's amazing. Yeah, And especially if they're, um, you know, if they're neighborhoods that have high crime rates, um, or people who are vulnerable, you want to help. Right. So that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. The, the only thing that I would add to uh, what Natasha had said is we have, as neighborhood officers, we have a unique opportunity to actually spend the time. So we're not jumping from one 911 call to the next. So we can actually take the time to be in our neighborhoods. And, and as Natasha said, we get to work with the residents, we get to work with business owners, and we also get to work with other community partners. And often what we're doing is we're bringing those three parties together and, um, and that allows um, all of us to work together in order to try to create healthier communities 
And um, the reason that I got into it is, uh, you know, growing up in in the GTA, um, you know, I had uh, gotten into a little bit of little bit of little bit of trouble myself, and um, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge for me. And, and there was a few people that uh, were positive influences in my life, and I felt, um, you know, becoming a neighborhood officer um, allows me the opportunity to maybe be that positive influence in some of those kids' lives. And uh, you know, if I can, you know, if I can help one kid today and you know, two kids a week and three kids a month and maybe five kids a year, you know, that, then I'm doing my job. So that's the reason why I'm here. It's the partnership between the community and the police because, and I've always told, and I tell this to everybody, not only the people in the community, but also other police officers and people outside the community, like all oh, my own friends and family. He's like, it's not, the police can't do everything and the community can't do everything. Exactly. Well, I, I would love to touch on sustainability. Well, like, first off, how are they even responding to this? You know, let's be real elephant in the room there was a lot of trauma that has happened you know with you know the communities especially pocs how have they responded to this program and um let's talk about some positives like has it been good has it been bad has it been hard it's hard at first yeah. especially as a new officer into the program um because the community like they don't know who you are yeah. right so it's like a stranger coming into their community and of course they're not going to trust you right away and you know and you you spoke about the trauma in the past mm. and and i think that's a it's a huge issue because they they say well why should i trust the police yeah you know so you you have to be patient uh, which is huge <laughs> you have to be persistent yeah and you just keep talking to them and if they don't want to talk they don't want to talk and there's nothing wrong with that right but i'm not gonna leave and yeah. we're still gonna be there and we'll do our best to you know ease them into understanding what the neighborhood officer program is about and i think that's a big thing too is um transparency so they want to know like what is a program about and why are you here yeah right so and i think that's with everybody um it doesn't matter you know what your background is is what city you live in what country you live in people want to know why yeah right I, and that's a big thing and i think once you explain that to people they they start to come around but again that trust it, it takes a while and that's why we do these programs you know it, it's to build that relationship between us and the, and the community and that's why you know I encourage you go to all those radio calls because they see like oh yeah we can trust you you know you're in our neighborhood and you're helping us yeah you know so it's a big yeah oh of course i think it's transparency is a big thing i mean just in general for like outside looking in i remember a friend of mine she um posted this thing on facebook and she's like, why is there an officer with a gun on the DTC? And da, da, da. And I was just like, yeah, but why is there? And then, you know, but then you look further. And I think when I was talking to Chief Raymer, um, he was telling me that that would happen only because of like maybe events around the world, you know, and we're just trying to just make sure things are safe in our own city, which is just preventative. But we don't know that, right? We don't see that. But that's why, again, why, you know, what you do in your communities is so needed because you need that transparency to talk about what am I doing here? Why are we doing this? There's no BS. Like I'm here because I genuinely care type of thing. So yeah. How about you? And you're, when you're on the ground, you know, a lot, I'm assuming I'm, you have obviously been too, but you like, you <laughs> yeah, are. But, well, you know, to, to add to what Natasha has yeah. said, idle minds will idle. So when we, uh, when we try to organize these uh, community events, we, we always have a youth uh, theme. Uh, we want to keep them engaged. Um, we want to keep them, involved in productive things. And as Natasha said, we also want to make something that has some longevity so that when we step away from it, the community can continue it. And, uh, and we try to pull that theme through in all of our, uh, all of our programs. Um, but, but aside from that, um, one of, part of your question was, is it working? Yeah. And, and, um, 
and and we that was a question that we had as well too right we were like does this really work and 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 Natasha hinted that it takes a while and it really does um I, I you know I remember times in my first year when I walked into communities and you walk up to the basketball court in summertime and then it just goes silent and half of the people kind of just walk away and the other half kind of just stop playing is and, that your indicator of like all right it's right not really Something's not right right <laughs> you know or you or you know you you know there's a birthday party going on in the backyard and we ride up on the bicycle and then all of a sudden it's like sort of a weird silence yeah, right yeah. and um you know you know three and a half years later four years later we walk up to the ball court and now someone tosses the ball and say yo officer you you know you're in a sweat yeah running let's let's yeah. run one-on-one right you know you go up to the backyard and someone's having a barbecue and they they ask you if you need a plate yeah, right yeah you yeah. know recently we had um uh, one of our communities um have a vigil for uh one of the people that passed away and you know traditionally they would be concerned about police showing up. But in, instead, you know, three years later, they asked us, hey, can you come out to the vigil? So, you know, we questioned, does it does this work? And and it does, but it does take time. And, and to Natasha's point, you got to be in it and you got to invest the time, but it does, it really does work. The neighborhood program um, is an effective program if you put the time in, if you have the right people and you put the resources in, which Toronto Police has done. Absolutely. I, I have to commend, I have to commend our uh, top brass for that. They have really committed to this program and and you can see it all the way through from, from the top levels right down to what we do on the floor. So they've done a good job at that. So it takes a very special individual to be in the community program because I feel like, one, you need to be able to provide a lot of genuine I guess, genuine love for this community, but also you have to trust them because they need to, it's, it's like a make or break process, I'm assuming here. Um, how do you go about this process and how long do they, you know, stay at their um, community? It's a four-year commitment, wow. uh, which is long, yeah. right? So that's why I always say to the officers who want to apply, I said, you got to be sure, you got to be dedicated for four years. And I said, it takes a long time to gather, you know, get that buy-in from the community on that new community officer that's coming in, right? So, and, and again, part of that process of getting that person introduced is you got to be um, aware of succession planning. Got it. So bringing in a new officer, say if a new officer came in, I'd partner him or her up with with Anthony. And of course, he would introduce them to the community and take it from there. And yeah, and eventually they'll all get assimilated and they'll start gaining that trust as well. Um, how we go about actually hiring or having somebody come into the neighborhood officer, officer program, um, we put out a job call. Yeah. And there's always a, a date that you have to apply by. So in all the list of the qualifications are on there that we require. Um, once everything comes in and all the applications are in, we review who the applicants are and then we interview them. Mm-hmm. And so it's also it's it's based on their past experiences. And a lot of it is attitude, too. Cool. I mean, right? Because you can't have somebody in this program who's going to have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. You take it takes a certain personality, um, and if you have that personality where it's like oh, I don't really care and whatever, the neighborhoods they're going to pick up on it. Oh yeah. You know the communities are switched on, and they'll know like this officer really isn't in it. They're here for themselves. They're not here for the community. So so that's a big thing. Do you ever it's do really, like really a big. trial? So like let's say Anthony, you have that person that maybe 
possibly going to go into another position or whatever or for another community do you ever would kind of gauge and be like i don't know if the community's feedback or is it just mainly tps that like decides that it's a bit of both right so community feedback is huge because that's where you are that's where you're living for 10 11 hours of your day is in the community which in the grand scheme of things you're spending more time at work in your community than you are at home right so community feedback is huge um as well as you know as a supervisor i gotta look and see what they're doing and how the community is reacting to them um and again do the officers work well together because if partners if the two whoever the two officers are together if they don't work well together again the neighborhoods the communities are going to pick up on it and they're going to say well if they can't drive and they can't gel together well how are we going to gel with the with that Mm -hmm. right so it's a lot of moving parts when it comes to the neighborhood officer program um, you gotta be, like I said before, you gotta be well-rounded and yeah, super, yeah it's very, very important. You know, uh, yeah. but, but also as an officer applying to this, you also have to do a little bit of, uh, looking inside as well too. Mm-hmm. And, and Natasha, uh, hinted at it, like you, you have, you know, th- there'll be days where I am, uh, you know, leading a community meeting. So I'll, I'll create an agenda. I'll, uh, I'll have, um, speakers will, uh, will do minutes. And it's an administrative job at that point. And then there's other times where packing boxes and uh, loading up with food and distributing to, to families in need. And, uh, you know, then there's other times where, you know, we're out there and we're running programs uh, hand on hand with, with uh, some of the youth in the, in the uh, neighborhood. And then uh, while we're in the community, there's a robbery at the convenience store and we're first on scene and we're going to deal with that. How do you separate that? Like, I feel like you're a lot of things going on. You're the all, you have to be everything and everything all the same. But at the end of the day, you're still officers and you got to do your job. So how do you separate that that well, lifestyle? Yeah. So yes, you have to have a complement of skills. And and uh, and, I, and again, I think, you know, um, part of the opportunity is that you have six months for, um, you know, management to look at it and see if it's a right fit. But I also think that six months is important for the individual who's in that role because that kind of gives you an idea as well. Is this really what you want to do? Because as I said, not only is it, the complement of skills, but it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Natasha had hinted that, um, you know, we spend 11 hours a day in our neighborhood. And uh, that's a lot of time. I go home and, uh, you know, my uh, family's out at work and out at school and I spend probably four hours a day with them. And a lot of it's downtime, getting ready for bed and then starting up the next day. So I spend more time in my communities than I do with my own family. So, you know, outside of the skills, you have to really want to be involved in that community. You want to, you have to be committed to that community. Absolutely. Like, how's that mindset in your mind? So like, let's say Anthony's out there just drained a three pointer. Um, but at the same time, you may have to go like in that second run after somebody, you know, um, how do you keep that balance in your head at least to be like, I'm still cordial and social, but at the same time, like I got to still be on alert for whatever's happening around me. I know for me, I've been on this job for 20 plus years, 22 years. And I think most of us have been on this job for a while. And so it's one thing, it's just, it's natural. Got it. Right. You don't. In the training. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, you're at work and you just respond to what you need to respond. It's just very second nature, so to speak. And yeah. And I think Anthony, if, yeah, if, I don't know if he feels any differently, but I think most people would tell you that, yeah, it's just, it is what you do, right? And you always tell people, and people, people are pretty good about understanding, say if you're in the middle of 
I don't know, an event. And like I said, we get a 911 call and you got to go. People understand because you got to explain to them too. Like, what if that was you? Yeah. Right. And you knew the police were not more than a half a kilometer down the street and they didn't do anything when you're in need. Mm-hmm. Right. So people are understanding. At the end of the day, we, we all signed up as police officers to fight crime and disorder. And um, that is something that we actually took an oath to do. So at the end of the day, it is one of the primary functions of our role and, and being um, involved in a community centric style of policing doesn't take us away from the fact that we still fight crime and disorder. Right. And, and keeping that in mind as well, too, you know, um, we have to also remember that the community centric style of policing is also fighting crime and disorder. It's just more proactive way of doing it. So, you know, we I think I think most of the, the talent that we pick for these roles, for these neighborhood roles, have that as an understanding already. And I think uh, I think our, our management does a good job of selecting those people. But as I said, that six months is important, not just for Natasha to decide if this person's a good fit, not just for us to see if this person fits our team, but also for that person to say, is this right for me? Because it is a commitment in all of those levels for all of those reasons. Of course. I, I mean, I look at it like you said proactive, right? It's proactive crime fighting right here, right? You know, getting it right. It's not getting water out of the ship. You're literally patching yeah, the hole. Yeah. And like, right. You know, you can measure things in all different kinds yeah, of ways, right? Yeah. So like, you know, you say, well, does the neighborhood officer program work? Well, can you measure that? Well, sure you can. Yeah. You know, when crime and disorder goes down, when violent crimes are down, when there's less calls for service, absolutely it's working. But then there's all the the, the things that you can't measure. Yeah. When you have community yeah. members wanting you to come to events, when you have uh, kids who traditionally wouldn't talk to you now engaging in like positive interaction with you, um, when you have, you know, alleyways and underground parking lots where there's no cigarette butts and litter and broken cans and 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 pee on the floor yeah. and you actually physically have neighborhoods becoming healthier communities then you you know it works Phys- it really visually works, and right? emotionally and too, sometimes right? those yeah. things you can't measure right yeah yeah so so it works it really does i mean from the outside and if i was in the other units i'd be like wow this looks like a fun <laughs> job like let's talk about the fun like what, let's talk about the events and fundraisers that you put on for different communities can you talk about those sometimes these are the things that makes it worthwhile for us when we can i'm just going to share one program in particular that i'm that, that i'm very proud of um we were so so middle of covid uh, we're obviously very restricted on in-person uh, contact uh, for an entire year. 2021, we were like doing everything virtually. We couldn't see people and the communities were suffering. The communities were falling apart. All of the progress that we'd made initially uh, because we had stopped all of this community engagement started pulling apart a little bit. So we looked at 2021 as a team and we uh, we looked at it and we said, hey, listen, you know what? Restrictions are easing. Um, we're going to hop in there and we're going to make some stuff happen. So we came up with a complement of um, programs that we were going to run through the entire year. And we were going to start off with a um, with a spring uh, movie event. We were going to go into a summer bicycle event. We were going to go into a fall winter slash warm up, and um, and we we had we had uh, all of these programs planned. But I want to talk about the bicycle program in particular because um, I think I think we have an ability to shine when it comes to uh, to reflecting on that program a little bit. What we did is we reached out to one of our partners, Bicycle Without Borders, in particular, Bikes Without Borders. Uh, they take our recondition, they take bikes, recondition them, and, and provide them to people who are in need of bicycles. 
we reached out to them and they, uh, they actually were able to provide us with approximately 60 reconditioned bicycles. What we did with those bicycles is we actually uh, went out to our communities and we launched the program, which was the summer program, the bicycle program, where we had um, people sign up to this program. They had an opportunity to learn basic bicycle safety skills, basic um, repair skills, and then we put them through basic bicycle riding skills. We had people who have never been on a bike after that program riding. There's some people like you, there's more people I know that have, they're like, actually, I don't ride. I've never rode a bike. Some of our, some of our participants never rode a bicycle ever in their life. And at the end of the day, they were riding. We reached out to Canadian Tire who through their jumpstart program provided helmets and, and, and pads and, and bike locks and that sort of stuff. And the interesting thing is we had these kids put on helmets. We sized them up. We had them put on pads and shoulder pads and knee pads if they needed. They were matched up to a bike that fit them. They went through the program and at the end of the program, they were able to take all of that stuff home with them. And it worked out great. The interesting thing is, as a result of that program, we continued conversations with Bike Without Borders and we are in the process now of actually creating a bike hub in the west part of the city that will now be providing bikes to all of the Etobicoke residents, as well as the Mississauga residents that border us. So if everything works out, um, that bicycle hub will be a product of that initiative that we launched last year. So we're very proud of that. I feel like Amsterdam in here <laughs> with all these bikes everywhere. That's awesome. Right. So they've recently now given us uh, 70 bikes this year. So we're going to continue that program this year. Uh, LAMP is on board with us. They provided us the space for this hub to happen. Um, so again, it's just another example of us leveraging all of these partners together and providing a service to the community that engage youth uh, keep them off the streets, doing something productive. And there's now even talk about maybe hiring someone from the community to do some repairs and do some training for these, uh, for these communities. So um, that's the fun part of it. That's where we get to actually take a step back and say, you know what? We made a little bit of a difference. Something works. It makes the community a little bit better. It makes the communities a little bit healthier. It provides a productive activity for youth. How good do you both feel? Yeah. It's nice. Uh, yeah. It's nice. Um, yeah. So just wanted to touch on something because it's not just 22. It's uh, it's all the divisions across the city. And, you know, when I was in 11 division, my partner and I, we did some, uh, we did a programming with the community there where they had this open gym. It was never being used. And, you know, the youth in the, in the area kept complaining, like, we want to do something. There's nothing to do, blah, blah, blah. So we partnered with a number of community agencies, including Toronto Housing and residents in that neighborhood. And we were able to start a program and eventually let um, the citizens of that community took it over. And much like what Anthony was saying about hiring, we hired a youth to run the program. And we were able to step aside and let them run it. We would always pop in once a week just to say hi, make sure everything's going well. But the community ran it. it, it they ran it themselves. They took it over and youth were employed. So that was when, um, that, that was something I was really proud of, just like he's right. proud of the, the bike <laughs> yeah. program. And, yeah. Very similarly, I spoke to this professor at U of T and what she did was, a very smart woman, uh, created electricity for an island. Like she's like the Akon of Philippines. Um, and it gave them back time to be productive, which is crazy, right? Like eight to 10 hours of your day spent in the dark. And now they can actually, you know, spend more time to be productive. And in your case, you're providing transportation, you're providing, you know, a space to relieve, you know, getting endorphins pumped and like work out and be active. And I think those are the small invisible hands 
people don't really understand, which is like that small stuff we all take for granted, which is I can go to the gym, I can do this, I can walk somewhere, you know, I can have the ability to, um, you know, in my neighborhood, which is fine. Um, things like going outside as well in a safe area. I don't think about those things. But in some other communities, you just don't have those that stuff. Um, and I think it's important really important all the work that you're doing so i hope you're super proud of yourselves no, because you I, should I be think, like reflect uh, on it just love it yeah i um, think i think we both are very proud good. and my big thing is the employment aspect of it um to show them you know what there there is jobs out there and spread your wings and you know and people so like i said they you know anthony and his team got somebody hired yes. we hired a youth and um yeah so it kind of it kind of brings me to something else um if you don't mind if i, I touch on it and again it's something else i'm kind of really happy with um we did again my partner and i back when i was in a different division we did a career exploration program mm-hmm. so i think it was like five or six different businesses um to get them you know experience and open up their eyes to all these different job opportunities that they may not have thought of. Like Air Canada has got so many jobs. Uh, Ubisoft, which is, I think a lot of people were, it was, a, it was, it was different because, Gaming. yeah, <laughs> but we get, we did get to see behind the scenes, yeah. unfortunately. But um, yeah, and even with uh, the Toronto Police and Toronto Fire that we did as well, we took them to the Marine Unit and um, they didn't even, most of them didn't even know that existed. So, wow. you know, and that's why you like to introduce them to parts of the police service that, they may not have any idea, like even dispatch, yeah. you know, going there. Cause that's the part that you hear these people talk on the radio, but you don't, do you really know where do they sit? What do they do? You know? So it's parts of the, the service that they may never even know about, you know? And that's what I really like doing. Um, and trial fire, of course, and all companies like that. And I did carpentry school, um, in Long and McQuaid and yeah. And you know what? And it was a great education for myself as well, because yeah. there's a lot of stuff where I didn't realize I'm like, God, I wish I had this when I was their age. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we did went to an accounting firm, which they actually loved. Super needed. Absolutely yeah. loved, which I was surprised. But yeah, them in Air Canada, people were like, oh my God, that was awesome. It's a lead, right? It's yeah, just being yeah, exposed yeah. to that to know like genuinely like, I have this opportunity. I can do this. I can do stuff outside of yeah, where I live. Yeah, like, it's just like, because yeah. you never think yeah, that if you're not yeah. given that exposure to be like, whoa, I can do big things and great things. Everybody can. It's just sometimes we don't see it. And sometimes right? you need help. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah, and everybody, correct. nobody's ever going to do anything by themselves. Of course. Um, you always need help at some point to, you know, to whatever it is, whether it's getting a job yeah. or, you know, moving. <laughs> Simple yes. things, right? You can't do everything on your own. Whereas, yeah. So, I mean, even with us to put that program together, Together, we got the help from ProAction, Cops and Kids. Right. So we partnered with them a lot for funding. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for them, we probably wouldn't have been able to do all that either, right? So, and they get donations from companies. So I want to do a quick shout out to Toronto Community Housing. Hey. Um, <laughs> they have been uh, champions for us as well with our programs. And, and you know, um, we support the same communities. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, the communities that we're supporting are very heavy Toronto community housing communities as well. So big shout out to Toronto community housing. Just want to make that, uh, make that shout out. You know, a lot of amazing things I've heard. So what are the, what's the future? What's the future looking like? What are the goals here for this program? Goals are to make it bigger, right? To keep expanding. Like I said, we got another new neighborhood that starts May 23rd. Um, that will be the new Toronto neighborhood. Uh, you know, South Etobicoke. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can keep expanding and not just only in 22, but across the city. Um, I think the program is wonderful. And as long as you have the right people doing the right work, it, 
can yeah it can it can i don't know it can make the community so much better absolutely um as you said it works right and um and it took a commitment from the very highest level in this organization and as i said down to um hiring the right people to walk those communities and be part of those communities and uh and to your point i think um i think if um we allow this program to continue um, in the capacity that it's that it's working, and I think we have a really successful program on our hands. So I mean, we've seen the success, but just I can see this uh, becoming even bigger. Yeah. I really can. All the NCOs, yeah. more yeah. and more yeah. and more. Yeah, there's I a plug for the NCO. <laughs> Hire more <laughs> NCOs, right? <laughs> well, but it's not. You know what? It, it, it's not just. It's not just you know making those neighborhoods better. Yeah, that's our main goal too, right? But you know, for other agents or other agencies and other units within the service, they can you know call up Anthony and or the other NCOs and say, "Hey, do you know yeah. what's going on in this neighborhood?" It's just easier because right? you have the trust already, right? Yeah, 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 and they may rely on us. Say, say if there was a shooting or something, and you know, the, say guns and gangs comes down and no one wants to talk to them. Yeah, but they said, "We'll talk to the neighborhood officers." Most community members whether it be healthy communities and maybe not so healthy communities, most of the members of those communities want to be part of the solution. They want to be part of uh, fixing the problem. And a lot of times they're afraid to, for many reasons, to talk to police. And, uh, and you know, be it afraid that there might be retaliation, they're, they're not comfortable with police. Uh, traditionally, they, you know, they haven't had positive relationships with police, whatever the reasons may be. Um, that's one of the things, one of the unmeasurables that this program offers. We get people to be comfortable with us and see us as part of the community. And to your point, um, we're in a position where they can share information a little bit more with us um, in order to make those communities stronger, healthier, less crime communities. And those are some of the, un the things that can never be measured, right? So yes, to that point, um, people are more comfortable when we become part of their community and they see us as part of their community. I'm glad it's working. I'm glad, you know, everything that you do, I mean, again, so important. And um, to everybody that I've spoken to, you know, in different sections of the force, it's, it just sounds like everybody's part is, is so needed, right? And taking down a perp, is part of the job. It's also building trust in communities is very much. And that's the theme I've gotten every time I'm speaking to people. So uh, just wrap it up. Anthony, Tasha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, any last shout outs to any people in your community? And Shout out to TPS. Uh, you know, um, hats off to the organization for, for uh, being dedicated to this program. Of course, I want a huge shout out to my communities. Big up, guys. It's all about you. You know that. Um, Thank you to you guys for giving us a little bit of an opportunity to share um, how we feel and um, share a little bit of our emotions about this uh, program with you. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm happy. You know, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Anytime. This is 24 Shades of Blue, Max Avilano, and we're out. <laughs>